Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. everybody. It's Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. I'm recording it on Tuesday, September 6th, 2022, as Monday, of course, was a holiday. As a reminder, you can follow me intra-week on LinkedIn or Twitter, should there be commentary outside of this weekly publication. This publication is available both in subscription form, in which case you are seeing the slides, graphs, numbers, and data that I'm discussing, but it's also available in an audio-only format as a podcast called Slaying Bulls and Bears. And of course, it is available in all the different podcast formats. This presentation you are seeing and or hearing is designed uh, for use with investors and financial advisors, each of whom are, of course, expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. This is purely for informational purposes only. Moving on uh, to market uh, performance last week, the equity markets really took it hard on the chin. I really think it was more technical than anything else. We had a big down year thus far. The markets became oversold in, um, in June. And then in July, they rallied technically, you know, it was a halfway reversal of the, uh, of the bear market, hit, hit the resistance line and sold off aggressively. Almost if you opened a textbook on technical analysis, it seems like that's what we're seeing. Why? Because I think the markets are just undecided from the fundamental perspective, whether or not the Fed will cause a recession, whether or not earnings reports are going to uh, get negative in the third quarter because they certainly didn't in the second quarter but that's what's happening interest rates also eked higher last week the 10-year closed at about three and a quarter that sent the barclays aggregate bond and the us 20 plus treasury index down pretty substantially high yields sold off with the bond market and the stock market a lot of correlation with high yield typically and um and mid-cap stocks so let's move on and, and uh, let's start talking about the economic data for the week uh, that we got last week. First, June house price data from FHFA um, shows that home prices are up 16.2% on a year-over-year -year basis. But I think uh, as, you, as you can see here, a little circle there, that red graph is coming down from nearly a you know, tw you know, 19, 20% year-over-year gain. And we want to see that obviously continue to come down. That's important because it's contributing to obviously to um, inflation. S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index, same kind of thing, up four tenths of a percent uh, on the month, uh, and 18.6 percent on a year-over-year -year basis. That was below expectations, but you can see those monthly gains down here really going back to what's more normal, that sub 0.5%. And so that might bring down some of the inflation pressure in the housing market. 
and with uh, some inflation pressures moderating, and quite a lot of numbers are, and I'll, as we get through the presentation, I've added a few slides at the end that I think you'll find interesting that relate to inflation. But then consumers start to get a little more confident. They feel better about things when they're not paying $6 for gas, as an example. Consumer confidence in the U.S. for the month of August rose to 103.2. That was well ahead of expectations. And that was on a long, about an 18-month downward trend before having that nice uh, up, up uh, print for, for August. Present situation was up. Expectations rose. American consumer felt pretty good. It didn't hurt either that the stock market was up uh, in July and their portfolios rose uh, as well. Uh, moving on to, uh, to jobs and job openings, the July jolts report uh, showed that there's 11.04, about 11 million job openings in the United States. That's for about 6 million unemployed workers. Uh, in the United States. So uh, we still have a ways to go. There's still a lot of inflationary pressure in that labor market. But I wouldn't, I, I really caution people not to think about this as unilaterally bad news. I hear I'm watching the financial news and so forth. And, you know, this is inflation, inflation, inflation. Well, the great promise of American capitalism and the great promise of things like I'm going to go all the way back the Kemp Roth tax cuts and revolution from, you know, 40 years ago to the Tax Cut and Jobs Act uh, of 2018 or 2017, this is right increasing the standard of living of labor, giving labor more purchasing power. And that, of course, is certainly good for investors as well. More purchasing of more products is more profits is great stock price movement. So I'm not overly concerned about wages rising. In fact, I'm, I'm happy that wages are rising. And I think we need to put that in perspective because we all think that when wages rise, it's at the expense of corporate profits, but corporate profits, as I showed you last week, are at an all time high. So we're doing okay. Uh, in August, the uh, Chicago PMI rose a little bit from 52.1 to 52.2. New orders uh, rose, but still below 50. So that says continuing to expect a moderation in economic activity and not calling that a recession uh, in the Chicago region as it relates to manufacturing anyway. Weekly, uh, weekly claims for unemployment uh, came out last week as they do every week. They fell to 232,000. Estimate was 248. This again underlines uh, that there is strength in the labor market. If we're going into a recession, weekly claims for unemployment are going to go up. They're going to go up substantially. First, you'll see the 300, then 400. You start getting north of about 350, and then I think you can start calling recession. But with weekly claims for unemployment this low in a country this size, the labor market as big as it is, and by the way, you'll see in a minute that labor force participation actually increased last month, um, tells us that this is, we are not in a recession. Okay, we got the two jobs reports, the ADP jobs report and the Bureau of Labor Statistics report. We'll start with ADP, which had been paused for a few months as they reformulated their model in, in uh, association with Stanford University. So that's exciting. Payrolls, according to their estimate, grew by about 132,000. That was well short of consensus. This is more of that disinflationary pressure in the economy still. According to ADP, we had 132,000 jobs. We didn't lose jobs. We added 132,000. 
Now the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which uses a different model, Bureau of Labor Statistics says we did add over 300,000, 315 to be exact. And that's on top of a massive 500,000 gain in jobs in July. Again, I just keep going back to this. Yes, we've got some inflationary pressures. I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about those as we go through the presentation today. But um, there's a lot of demand in this economy so much so that removal of stimulus is absolutely warranted and it's absolutely necessary. In fact, the stimulus stayed in too long. And just because we're removing the excessive stimulus does not by any means suggest that the economy has to suddenly roll into a recession. This economy has existed on its own long before fiscal and monetary stimulus of, uh, related to the COVID-19 pandemic. The other thing we saw in that is that the size of the US labor force is back to the pre-pandemic high of 159 million people. I mentioned there's some more people entering the labor force. And if you remember what we were at, at the you know, sort of the re-emergence re out of COVID, we're talking about people not wanting to go back. There's disincentives to go back. There was lack of childcare resources with schools being closed, et cetera. But we're now back to 159 million Americans working, which is the high of all time. And that's exactly what it was prior to the COVID uh, pandemic. With rising wages, you have unit labor costs going up. Well, if demand was going down or profits were going down, that would be a problem. But uh, we're, not, we're not seeing that so far, as I mentioned uh, earlier. Non-farm productivity fell. Obviously, that's just higher cost of labor. It's not that they're actually less productive. We got the, the old market, which is now owned by S&P Global Manufacturing PMI. Um, for August last week, it stayed in expansion, 51.5. So we're there. We're, we're just above that line of delineation. Could the Fed engineer a soft landing? That's really the big question here. Uh, ISM's manufacturing report for August also uh, showed expansion, came in at 52.8. That was a little above the estimate of 51.9. New orders went positive, went above 50 to 51.3 and employment went above 50. This is sort of a Goldilocks kind of report, uh, but what it did is it also sort of paved the way and gave the all clear um, for the Fed to be able to raise 75 basis points at their September meeting. Uh, they need to remove the excess stimulus and they're certainly uh, appear willing now and they're beginning to do, obviously do it. Um, construction spending, Let's talk about that. July construction spending fell four tenths of a percent. That was more than expected. And you can see that's back to back. You don't really see that too often, uh, but construction spending was really ramped up because of ultra low interest rates. That's now backing off. That's taking some inflationary pressure out of um, the, the economy. Moving on to auto sales, still uh, dealing with supply chain issues, mostly related to technology and computer chips. Uh, auto sales at an annualized pace of just over 13 million and really fundamental demand for autos is higher. It's in the 16 to 17 range, which is right up here, especially given all the new jobs. People like to buy cars when they have confidence in their ability to maintain their job and make their payment. This is what I've been talking about. Uh, average hourly earnings gain, gained three-tenths of a percent, 5% uh, higher than they were a year ago. This is good news. We want, wage, we want wages to gain. We want employees to make more and do better. 
and then have more discretionary income. Uh, and that is, that is what an economy does. That's seeing an economy grow and that's positive all the way around. Factory orders for July fell 1%, uh, back out transportation, they fell 1.1%. Let's talk about some of the CPI or some of the inflation metrics that are starting to roll over. The first one is the Cleveland Fed's CPI Nowcast. This is a daily indicator surveying prices and it's estimating or forecasting where uh, the, the CPI is heading. And it's pretty darn good, pretty accurate. Well, that's down from about 8.9 in July to 8.2. Obviously, still has a ways to go. Fed's target is 2%. Gasoline prices, which had gone from, you know, nothing and gotten over $5 on the national average, now back down to about 379 379. So that's positive as well. Okay, not a lot of economic data this week. Uh, Monday was a holiday. It was Labor Day. Uh, Tuesday, today, uh, S&P Global, the old Marquette services reading, uh, expected to be in contraction. ISM expected to be in expansion. Those two don't conflict too often, but they do on, on occasion. Wednesday, trade deficit, which is subtraction from GDP. Fed will put out its beige book, which is its board meeting book ahead of the September FOMC meeting, followed by regular weekly claims, consumer credit. I think the big item this week is actually going to be the ECB, the European Central Bank's decision on interest rates. They're expected to hike 75 basis points following in the footsteps of the U.S. Federal Reserve and then wholesale inventories on Friday. Not a lot in the way of earnings or other economic news. Um, so um, could, could end up being a quiet week. We, we, it's really, really hard to say. Uh, okay. Don't forget, listen in on the podcast, uh, subscribe. Thank you for tuning in and I'll be back to you again in one week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.